0: Chapter 4 of Pollyanna's Jewels. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Crystal J. Silas. Pollyanna's Jewels by Harriet Lemmis Smith. Educating the Family. Chapter 4 Of the three additions to the Pendleton menage, only jigs proved a problem. The canary, which the children, with characteristic disregard of sex distinctions, had christened Goldilocks, after a favorite heroine, from the start showed himself a model of all domestic virtues. He splashed about rapturously in his morning bath, ate his day's rations with relish, and the rest of the time expressed his overflowing satisfaction with life by such rippling melodious trills and runs and quavers that Pollyanna found it necessary to exercise all her self-control not to stop whatever she was doing and devote herself to listening. When quiet was desired and a bath towel thrown over the cage, Goldilocks took the hint gracefully and, mounting his perch, tucked his head under his wing and refreshed his ardent little spirit by a good nap. Except for the few minutes devoted to caring for him in the morning and the necessity of using the carpet sweeper occasionally during the day As a result of his vigorous onslaughts on his seed cup, he added practically nothing to the work of the household. The kitten, too, proved to be a model. Named Sinbad by Junior, after another favorite in fiction, he was generally addressed as Sin, which Pollyanna considered most unfair in view of his transcendent virtues. Though but six weeks old when he came to be a member of the family, he instinctively conformed to the amenities which most animals observe only after long training, if at all, "'Goes to the door and mews just as sensible as a person,' Nancy told Pollyanna. "'And when he's ready to come in again, he climbs up on the doorstep and mews till I open the door. "'Why, by the time that kitten is growed, he'll have more sense than whole families. He will, he will.'" With Jiggs, it was a different story. From none of his ancestors, apparently, had he inherited the slightest bias in favor of any of the standards of civilization. Punished for misdemeanors too shocking to be chronicled, he yelped shrilly, and then, under the pretext that his mistress had merely been playful and carried her fun a trifle too far, he seized her hand and made a pretense of biting it, wagging his tail frantically all the time. He had an insatiable desire to test his teeth on everything that offered sufficient resistance to make chewing of interest. Books fascinated him, and, like all true bibliophiles, He loved them for themselves as distinguished from their contents. Shoes and slippers presented an irresistible temptation, and Pollyanna's recurrent problem of what to give Jimmy for Christmas was unexpectedly solved when she came across one of his last year's slippers reduced to a bare sole. Rubbers left standing in the hall were carried off and hidden behind the cushions of the Davenport, or under the bed in the guest room the children's clothes, hung neatly over a chair at night, had a way of disappearing before it was time to put them on. Even when discovered in these nefarious practices, Jig showed no shame, but on more than one occasion led Pollyanna on a merry chase upstairs and down with Junior's stocking or Judy's rompers flying over his shoulder like a banner. Why in the world do you put up with it? demanded the chorus of neighborhood mothers when, half vexed and half laughing, Pollyanna recounted Jiggs's latest offense against propriety. I won't have to put up with it for long, Pollyanna reminded them. Puppies soon outgrow the awfully mischievous stage. Of course, Jiggs does make an awful lot of work, and he chews up so many things that he's a rather expensive pet, but at the same time, he's such a darling that if anything ever happened to him, Junior and I would be broken-hearted." I can't imagine burning myself with the care of a puppy, said Mrs. Wilkins. I'm overworked as it is, and my husband often says he can't see how I accomplish what I do. Pollyanna wondered whether Mr. Wilkins was one of the men who always accept their wife's statements at their face value, or whether the remark quoted merely indicated his fitness for a diplomatic career. And then a severe young woman by the name of Griggs entered the conversation with an emphatic, Nothing would induce me to have a dog in the house. My mother knew of a little boy whose nose was bitten off by a pet dog. His whole life was ruined. She had such an air of having advanced an unanswerable argument that Pollyanna was irresistibly compelled to refute it. Once I knew a man who used to beat his wife every Saturday night, but that didn't keep me from getting married. Mrs. Griggs looked at her blankly. Why should it? she asked. It was so apparent, not only that she had missed the point, but that no amount of explanation would enlighten her, that Pollyanna resisted the impulse to reply. And that night, Mrs. Griggs told her husband that, while their new neighbor, Mrs. Pendleton, seemed a nice little body, she had a way of making the craziest remarks that really didn't mean a thing. Pollyanna's opinion, for Jimmy's ear alone, was hardly more complimentary. Mrs. Griggs is one of those people without a grain of humor in their composition, I'm afraid I prefer them a little wicked. Like Jiggs, suggested Jimmy, and with reason, for Jiggs had been exceptionally wicked all day. One of Nancy's dish towels had disappeared, and Nancy had no doubt as to the culprit. The cover of a borrowed book showed an ornamental design which necessitated replacing it before it was returned, and in his efforts to bury a puppy biscuit in a sofa cushion, Jiggs had scratched through the cover and into the down, so that it took an hour of hard work to eradicate the snowstorm effect in the front hall. Now, tired out after a romp with Junior, he lay curled at the boy's side, his big eyes dreamy and adoring, and both the boy and the dog seemed to radiate contentment. Pollyanna regarded the picture complacently. There was no doubt that Junior was mastering the lesson which she wished him to learn. Already his dog, so fascinating a compound of vitality and affection, occupied a preposterously large place in his heart. It had startled Pollyanna when Junior first included the name of Jiggs in his evening prayers, mentioning him just after the baby and before Aunt Polly and Nancy. But even as her lips parted in protest, she had checked herself, wondering whether, perhaps, the child was not right. Surely it was not unfitting that he... Whose tender mercies over all his works should be petitioned in behalf of a wriggling satin-backed puppy who with all his mischief was embodied love it seemed to pollyanna that she herself as well as the children had learned something from Jiggs. i believe everybody who is bringing up a child should bring up a puppy at the same time she said to jimmy and then instead of making such a fuss over the children's mischief they realized it was just part of the order of things like gravitation and the changes of the season. Jimmy seemed in entire accord with her. Perhaps that would have been true of most people whose interest in the subject was largely academic, but Jimmy's theoretic agreement was soon to be put to a severer test than either of them had dreamed. Promptly at 7 o'clock the next morning, Pollyanna wakened her husband. She herself had been up half an hour and was already dressed. Jimmy, Jimmy, wake up! "'No, don't turn over, because if you do, you'll go to sleep again, and it's time to get up.' Hm. Oh, all right,' said Jimmy's sleepy voice. And Pollyanna shook him again to be sure he knew what he was saying, and hurried off to the baby, who was lustily demanding her attention. And a minute or two later, Jimmy effectually banished his drowsiness in the cold tub with which each day's program began. As he recrossed the hall, his body tingling after a vigorous rubdown, he found the door of his room had been locked during his absence. It was becoming practice in the Pendleton household to ascribe all mischief to Jiggs, and he made an admirable scapegoat because he accepted such responsibilities so light-heartedly. But it was at once apparent that Jiggs could not have turned the key in the lock, and if Jiggs was not responsible, it went without saying that Junior must be. Junior called Jimmy with an impatience excusable in a man who finds himself locked out of his room, attired in a bathrobe and slippers, while he has a train to make in a little over an hour. Junior, unlock the door and be quick about it. A smothered giggle answered him. The giggle showed intense appreciation of the joke. The effort to smother it indicated a realizing sense of the deficiencies of adult humor. The key rattled in the lock, and Jimmy turned the knob and pushed, but without results. Junior! he shouted, his impatience growing, as he began to feel slightly chilly. "'Stop your fooling around and unlock this door instantly! I'm in a hurry!' Again, the key rattled, and again Jimmy turned the knob and used his strength in futile pushing. Overhearing his uplifted voice, Pollyanna left the baby in Judy's charge and hurried to her husband's assistance. "'I've noticed that key didn't work quite right,' she said. "'Whatever possessed him to turn it? Wait, Jimmy, we mustn't get him nervous or he'll never unlock the door.' A misleading cheeriness in her voice, Pollyanna called directions through the keyhole. Apparently Junior did his best to act upon them, but his efforts were unsuccessful, and he grew panicky. That little rascal, growled Jimmy. When I get my hands on him, I'll teach him a thing or two. Pollyanna realized fully that Jimmy was in no mood to be argued with. Probably no man is, till he has got beyond the bathrobe and slipper stage of his morning toilet, yet she could not resist the impulse to remonstrate. After all, he didn't mean to be naughty. He only turned the key for a joke. He didn't know he couldn't unlock the door. "'It's time he learned to think about the consequences of what he does,' Jimmy declared ferociously. His nerves were on edge, time was flying. The hour of his train was approaching as remorselessly as fate, and all his clothes were on the other side of a locked door. At the moment, Jimmy believed he would thoroughly enjoy putting Junior across his knee and giving him a good spanking.' It was about that time that Junior lost his nerve. He began to weep, and tears completed his demoralization. His sobs grew loud as he faced the possibility of spending the rest of his life shut off from his family. Then Pollyanna had a brilliant idea. We'll have him take out the key and drop it out the window. Then we can unlock the door from this side. Why didn't we think of it before? But either Junior had become quite panic-stricken, or else in his frantic efforts to turn the key, he had bent it hopelessly. He found it as impossible to remove it from the lock as he had to turn it. It was in vain that his mother tried to soothe him, in vain that she called the most explicit directions. His crying became more and more violent until it was impossible for Pollyanna to make herself heard above the uproar. "'He's lost his head completely,' she said to Jimmy. "'We can't count on him for anything. "'Now how are we going to get into that room?' If I had any clothes, I could climb the maple and get into that east window, but I can't go out and climb trees at this hour of the morning with nothing but a bathrobe. This did not admit of argument. Pollyanna's brow was corrugated by her effort to solve the problem. I suppose an overcoat wouldn't be any better than a bathrobe. Not a bit, said Jimmy grimly. Then I'd better run over to the Hunts and see if they'll lend me a pair of Mr. Hunt's trousers. I'll ask for old ones. "'You'd have to ask for a pair of suspenders, too,' said Jimmy. "'Hunt is about twice as big around as I am. "'His trousers would simply drop off me.' "'His tone was so disapproving that Pollyanna hesitated. "'Don't you think I'd better go?' "'I can't say that the idea appeals to me. "'If we'd lived here for years, it would be different. "'But for mere strangers to go around a neighborhood "'borrowing trousers is the most nervous proposition "'I've run up against.' "'Junior,' screamed Pollyanna through the keyhole, Please stop crying, darling. Daddy will get the door unlocked pretty soon. There was no appreciable diminution of Junior's howls as a result of the staring promise, and Pollyanna turned a distracted face upon her husband. I can't seem to think while he's crying that way. Well, somebody will have to think, declared Jimmy, an irritable tension in his voice. I've got to get to the office some time today. Then I'm going to go borrow Mr. Hunt's trousers. I've often loaned Mrs. Hunt things. Pollyanna started down the stairs, but... On the third step, halted and whirled about. Jimmy, I never thought of it till this minute, but your dress suit is in the trunk in the storeroom. Would you rather have those trousers? Jimmy sighed gustily. I wouldn't choose them for climbing trees. I don't suppose I can afford another dress suit for another ten years or so, but I'd rather wear my own trousers, if I ruin them, than a pair belonging to a neighbor I hardly know by sight. Pollyanna flew to the storeroom, and five minutes later, Jimmy was equipped for the climb. He wore a pair of dress trousers, bath slippers, and a spring overcoat buttoned up to the chin to conceal his lack of a shirt. Praying inwardly that his neighbors might be too engrossed in preparations for breakfast to notice his unconventional costume, Jimmy made his way to the maple tree at the side of the house. The lowest branches were about eighteen feet above the ground, and he tried to forget his trousers as he put into practice the art of his boyhood and skinned up the smooth trunk until he could grasp the branches overhead and swing himself into the crotch of the tree. Then it was an easy matter to crawl out on a horizontal branch parallel to the east window of the sleeping room. Abreast of the window, he caught the ledge and drew himself over it. With a bound, he crossed the room. It was no wonder that the key had baffled Junior, for it was so badly bent that it took several minutes to turn it. After opening the door, Jimmy faced about and looked for the culprit. Junior's howls had ceased as soon as his father's head had appeared above the window ledge. Now he stood beside the bed, his face streaked with tears, his expression showing a conflict of emotions. Blended with his relief at the discovery that he was not to spend the rest of his days in solitary confinement was apprehension as to the immediate future. His swollen eyes looked fearfully up at his father. Jimmy, staring at the diminutive figure as if Junior had been a strange child, realized poignantly what a little fellow he was. Pollyanna's words, which had irritated him when they were spoken, came back with crushing logic. It was a fact that the most insignificant disobedience, the most trivial display of malice or unkindness, was more culpable than the act which had so annoyed and inconvenienced him. Yet, knowing how often human justice takes into account the consequence instead of the motive, Junior stood shivering, waiting for vengeance to fall. The little boy caught his breath as he felt a hand on his shoulder, then all at once he was lifted in his father's arms, till their eyes met in a level glance, man to man. "'Listen, old son,' said Jimmy. "'It's a lot easier to get into scrapes than it is to get out of them. The next time you feel like doing something, ask yourself if you know how to undo it.'" How far the lessons sank into Junior's consciousness, Jimmy had no way of knowing. But Junior's relief in discovering that discipline was to be carried no further than an admonition was unmistakable. His arms went around his father's neck in a strangling hug. Jimmy could feel the little boy's heart pounding an inarticulate thanksgiving against his own. Remembering how he had vowed to teach Junior a lesson when he got his hands on him, Jimmy felt a pang of that wholesome self-contempt which most fathers and mothers need periodically. There was time for no more. No more. Jimmy set Junior on his feet and dressed in record time, and though he drank his coffee standing and ran two blocks in order to catch his train, Jimmy did not feel wholly dissatisfied with the day's beginning. It was something to feel that his own education was progressing along with that of Junior and Jigs. End of chapter four, read by Crystal J. Silas, Fort Myers, August 3rd, 2021.